Welcome to the Aptivate Podcast, a podcast for mobile marketers brought to you by Remerge. I'm Brian Altman, Director of Sales here at Remerge. When you hear my voice, I'll be talking to marketers from gaming apps about strategies, best practices, and industry trends for running campaigns across different regions of the world. So welcome everyone to a new version of the AppDebate podcast. We're really excited to have Aaron Peach from Rec Room joining us today. How's it going, Aaron? Doing well. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. And so I think this is actually one of my first times leading this podcast. So I'm really excited to have a guest like you to come on, especially coming from an app as exciting and different as Rec Room. We usually start these off with a little intro about how you got into this role specifically at Rec Room. I believe you lead up a user acquisition there. We have a whole team of user acquisition at Rec Room. But yeah, I have been working in user acquisition for a few years now. Started out with doing it at Big Huge Games on their title Dominations, and then started hearing all this stuff going on. Cool, interesting things at Rec Room itself. And it looked really interesting and ended up hopping on board. Previous to that, I had another I don't know, life as a legal professional, which I prefer to <laughs> leave <laughs> best left unsaid because this part of my life is still a lot more fun in terms of professional. That's great. And how do you make that transition from legal to mobile games marketing? That's not something I've really seen before, but it's always good to know that it's possible to make a transition. I think people can definitely like appreciate that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just taking stock of, are these the people that I want to be working with every day for the rest of my life? And as the answer becomes more and more of a no, then you're looking for something new. So I feel rather lucky and like right place, right time with being able to find the positions I've had to be able to be here. But yeah, it's been great. That's great. And did you have like a particular interest in the gaming vertical specifically? Or was it more like I wanted to jump into mobile and more like digital space? I think gaming vertical for sure. And I've always been someone who has played plenty of games in my time and like also really interested in the business side of gaming and how it works and how to make it function best and like how you can communicate ideas about what a game is. It's just a really interesting question. That's great. And so I think that's like a really nice transition because the rec room offering is like, in my mind, is very unique. It goes in the line of this almost crowdsourced gaming functionality, similar in the lines of like Minecraft, for example. And so I'd be curious to hear from your, in your own words, for those that are not totally unfamiliar with what Rec Room is, what is Rec Room and how would you describe to somebody that knows nothing about it? I think it's an interesting question. These days, I tend to think of Rec Room as a little more of like a user-generated content platform. There's all sorts of stuff that you can get into that people have built as well as teams within Rec Room have built essentially rooms within Rec Room to play different sorts of games, whether it's paintball or golf or all those traditional things. And then some of them are much more experiential, like very much like artistic pieces or just places to hang out with your friends. And so that user-generated content also goes a lot into just how you and your friends interact with the environment, like different people that put on all sorts of shows and skits and make up their own games within another game and 
it really is a platform that allows for a lot of creativity and taking what you want out of the game and making it what you will. Could you classify this, and this is the word of the past few years, could you classify Rec Room as a metaverse? I think plenty of people have. I'm sure that we're on plenty of the lists of the various metaverse players and everything like that. I think the distinction that we have is that we aren't coming at it from let's make a metaverse game or let's make a metaverse platform. We're wanting to make an amazing experience for the players who are coming in and allow that to be our value proposition. And if that grows to the point where it has metaverse-like qualities to it, then we can embrace and explore that together. But first and foremost, it's a place to enjoy yourself and enjoy your time with friends. That's really cool. The other thing is this being a mobile marketing podcast and focus on mobile. The interesting thing about this game is that it's not just mobile. It's also offered in different platforms. Can you describe that a little bit more too? So one of our internal mantras, if you will, is that we are radically cross-platform. So yeah, we're on everything. We're on mobile, we're on VR, we're on PC, we're on major consoles. And I think that just leads to the, we meet you where you are. Whatever system you have, you can play Rec Room on it pretty much. And you can go between them. You can, when you're out and just have a few minutes, you might log on on your phone and check in with friends and see what they're doing or open some cool gifts or something like that. And then you might clear out some space in the living room and dive into VR for a few hours or longer than that. So it really helps us just reach as wide of an audience as we possibly can. And yeah, I think it's been really cool to see what like the our dev teams have been able to do to keep releasing on every single platform as consistently as we have. That's really cool. And definitely want to maybe later in the podcast ask a question around how that impacts marketing activity because it is so unique. And then the last question I had specifically regarding Rec Room and then we can get a little bit more into your role there, is around monetization within the app itself. Can you describe how that currently functions and how much that plays a role in the evolution of the game? So another one of our principles is that it's a small world. We're looking to make long-term relationships with our users and have a great experience for them the entire time. So what that looks like at this point is we do have various IP offerings for like cosmetics, as well as a system for you being able to, say, build a room for people to come into and enjoy and essentially be able to earn tokens through the game economy for yourself and putting that work to some sort of reward for yourself. We don't have ads within the game. We don't do any rewarded video or interstitials or anything like that. So it's really a nice experience. I feel like as I've been doing a lot of research about other competitors and everything like that, one of the main complaints that I always see is like, there's too many ads, that ruins the experience. And I like that we've been able to be in a spot where we don't have to go down that path. That's great to hear. Focus on user experience as being the number one thing, and that'll eventually drive revenue growth. I like that approach. Cool. So a little bit more about like your role at Rec Room itself, just so the listeners can understand. As a UA manager, can you describe a little bit about the structure of the team and then exactly what your functionality is within that team itself? Sure. So we have three essentially UA people working in various parts, whether it's a little bit more big picture or like specifically on a bunch of the various networks that we're running. And then we also have like a creative strategist 
to give us the best insights and work on that angle of it. Creative is a huge driver and it's becoming more and more so. So it's great to have that capability also within the team. My primary network area is within like the social. So the Facebook, the Snapchat, the TikToks of the world, but I pretty much had my hands in everything. We're a small, nimble team and we all jump in and help out with whatever we're running and whatever's going on in order to get the most out of it. That's usually how it works at startups. So I uh, can relate there. So you mentioned creative. I'd be very curious to hear one of the things that I was thinking about in preparation for this interview is that Rec Room is a very unique offering. It's part social, it's VR, metaverse. As we mentioned, it comes up on a lot of different consoles. And so in that respect, it even took myself a little bit of time to figure out, okay, exactly what is this? So how do you get that message across to people in a creative ad, right? Whether it be a TikTok ad or, and I know they vary widely based on the platform you're running them on, but say you're going to run like an ad on Facebook, for example, for somebody that has no idea what Rec Room is, what are the elements that make that ad impactful or you have found that make that ad impactful to help them understand what Rec Room is? Yeah, I think it's something where you really need to be clear about what your value proposition is to the person that you're marketing to. Like, yeah, you're not going to be like, oh, we've got this and we've got this and we've got this. First of all, you have, what, 15, 30 seconds in order to explain that and you're not going to explain it well if you're explaining everything. So you're finding those entry points, you're figuring out different like emotional drivers. Are they like a creator? Are there someone that's going to come in and make rooms and make experiences for people? Or are they in it for like the role playing elements? Are they in it because they really like this one specific type of theme of room or something like that? And so you want to find that value proposition and drive home that specifically for those types of users, and then utilize whatever strategy levers or audience capabilities you have on whatever platform that you might be running things on in order to then drive it towards those type of people and get the most out of it. Sure. And do you see specific formats working better for you? Do you find, for example, video, since it is maybe a little bit complicated to explain exactly what you're offering, is video more effective? Or do you see native, for example, being more effective for you where you can actually write out exactly what you mean? What do you see as being like the most effective ad medium? I think it's a combination. I, essentially, video is the short answer to it. But that's just a combination of what platforms or what networks right now are working really well and what they have as their best drivers. And video tends to play well with where we can place our marketing dollars effectively. So yeah, video tends to be the best. Obviously, a big thing here is the targeting of it all. So I would imagine that partners that can provide a plethora of data in terms of, okay, what are the interests of these particular users? You had mentioned, like, is this user going to be a creator? That's obviously very important for you and having the creative matching back to that. The user interest is very important in getting them to convert, correct? Definitely. Along with talking about having a nimble team that's going into everything, you really need to be constantly testing. You need to be creating hypotheses, developing some sort of test in order to be able to like prove out what you think you might be able to see and figure out how you're going to get all the data that you need for that, run the test, analyze it, and then 
affect it in some way into what you're currently. So we have lots of our testing campaigns that are looking at various things. Then we have our more evergreen stuff where depending on what we find out about within those testings, we can then roll in and maybe like section things off differently, or maybe we're completely redoing the strategy because this works so effectively, but you constantly want to be testing in order to figure out how to get the most out of each individual network that you run on. Yeah. And in this world where we have, it almost seems like an infinite amount of media sources to test, I'm sure you get hit up by tons of sales reps trying to get you to test their product. How do you internally prioritize what you're going to be testing? It can be challenging. There's always the standards that everyone knows can drive the amount of scale that you might need. And just like, there's a reason they're constantly hit up, but you want to cast out your net as wide as you can as well. You want to be talking to other professionals in the space and asking them what they're seeing and if there's anything interesting going on and like really paying attention to the trends. This is a profession that moves really, really fast and you got to stay on top of it. And so you want to constantly have those feelers out you want to be looking at the various lists that like the mmps will put out about what they're seeing but then you also want to take all of that information with a grain of salt and think okay this is how they're using it whether it's like an mmp so this the gaming system as a whole is this being skewed by hyper casual or something like that in order to really see what their numbers are saying to you or if you're talking to an individual ua manager at another company and asking them about what they're doing you also want to think does what they experience map onto the game that i'm trying to market and where are the differences and how would that affect things cool so I think changing gears a little bit, because part of the theme of this podcast is going to be around marketing games internationally. Reemerge is an international company. One of the things and one of the reasons we brought you on this podcast is that Rec Room seems like only maybe like 20, 30% of the users are actually based in the US. And so there's a good amount of users that are outside of the United States. So number one, curious just to know how you prioritize markets. Usually what we've found is that you'll have tier one, tier two, and tier three markets. And how do you focus on which markets are going to be of focus for you guys? So just curious about that. Sure. I mean, I think it really depends on what your strategy is, what your goals are. Like if it's purely growth, you might be looking at more of like a CPI or retention based understanding of what you can get out of things and there you might be going to lower cost countries where you can just like provide that value proposition to people coming in and they're going to play for a while and you're just looking to get that growth whereas if you need to look more towards revenue then you need to be possibly prioritizing more of the t1s the standards but there's always those pockets of interest that you might not have expected, like looking at your organics and seeing what is monetizing well outside of your campaigns. And you might be surprised to learn that this country or that country that you would have had no idea is all of a sudden getting real popular. Like, yeah, all of a sudden we're really big in, I don't know, Chile or something like that. And then you take a step back and think about maybe why this is happening, but also how you can take advantage of it. And what you can do in order to grow that base. Yeah. And that's the interesting point you brought up. There must be, because it's a social platform, there must be a, an element of virality when it comes to the games itself. Do you see certain markets just take off 
unknowingly, like you mentioned Chile, but I don't know if that was specific or not. Oh, no, that was just drawn out of a hat. But okay, (laughs) no, there is definitely K factor at work. And what makes it more difficult to analyze is because we are radically cross platform. Maybe they're coming in on console, but then they're moving over to mobile because it better fits within their life or something like that. But You can definitely see as we get a certain amount of users within an area, they're also telling their friends and their friends are joining in. And you have that stickiness once you have a bunch of friends playing every week or every day together. So yeah, you can really take advantage of that. And that could also be something where, hey, we haven't gone into this geo before. Start doing a little bit of marketing. And yeah, you can see a pretty wild growth all of a sudden out of it that you might not have otherwise seen just because you've been able to tailor something to there and really hone your strategy. That's really cool. So I think around international marketing, just staying on this topic, in terms of creatives that you're running internationally, do you have different strategies by market? Or as of right now, are you mostly just utilizing the same creative across markets? The reason I ask this is because I've seen that at least when it comes to like banner creatives within Remerge, they differ wildly between, for example, APAC versus the Americas region, for example. So I'm curious to hear if creatives differ by region outside of language. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is definitely the whole localization aspect. But yeah, localization also goes into cultural localization and everything like that. You definitely can see it. I think there's other challenges that are presented first. You might want to section off this specific country because you're seeing great performance out of it. But you also have to keep in mind that as soon as you section it off, maybe that campaign now by itself needs to get a certain amount of signal in order to get enough purchasers in it in order to keep on feeding the algorithms that are going on. And pretty quickly, if you start sectioning off your budget into individual countries, you're going to starve the beast that is giving you what you want out of it. So you have to be really careful of that and really ask the question, is this better off by itself or is this feeding me enough within this like larger grouping of say T1, T2, something like that? Is that the better way to go about it? And maybe it's a testing thing. Maybe, yeah, let's pull it out for a little while. Let's see what we can get. And then, oh, this didn't work or, oh man, this is doing better than we thought. And let's give it some more budget and make it do even better. So yeah, you constantly want to have those hypotheses, but you want to be thinking about the full picture of what's going on. But then as you section it off, absolutely, you'll start to see certain creatives do better. Maybe this country, when we're talking about whether they're a creator type or a role-playing sort of type, that may be specific to the country where there are more people there coming into your game that want to role-play. So those sorts of ads are going to work better. So you want to be paying attention to that within each individual campaign, but you also want to make sure that you're feeding everything enough information to get the most out of it. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to come back to this a few more times, probably in this conversation, but I'm very interested in this this cross-console, cross-hardware approach. And do you see certain regions utilizing certain console, like one region will utilize console, the other will utilize mobile more? And I would imagine that varies too by region. Oh, absolutely. And you can also see as you maybe ramp up your spend on console and pull down your spend on mobile, you might still see mobile growth because of what we were talking about before, where people are coming in on one platform and then going to another. And so it presents a whole bunch of really interesting data challenges of being able to match all these users and get a full picture of what their user journey looks like. But that's also why it's fun. You have a lot of big questions to answer that can make huge impact. And yeah, that's always cool to see. 
we run into this issue a lot with a lot of advertisers that we're talking to where they may monetize better on mobile on app, for example, but they have a bigger mobile web presence and really tying a single user experience back to a device ID or an ID, a ubiquitous internal ID is difficult. Do you have any suggestions for people that may be trying to do that, trying to track people across various devices? It's always going to be a challenge, but do you have any advice for someone that maybe doesn't even know where to start? I think the first advice that I would give is that is a challenging thing to do. And there may be other lower hanging fruit first, because that is such a difficult sort of thing to wrap your head around, especially when it's with so many different types of the form factors. And each one of them has their own challenges in terms of identifying people and being able to cross that between is extremely challenging. There's a lot of other stuff that you can do to get the most out of specific marketing goals way before you need to start worrying about that. It is a really interesting and challenging topic, but I think there's plenty of bigger fish to fry in terms of getting the most out of it and just in honing your strategy within mobile and honing your strategy within console before you need to... like. Obviously, people are going to be working on that at the same time because it's a big thing. But yeah, don't put your eggs all in one basket. That makes a lot of sense. Don't overly complicate. That is a good transition that maybe to talk about alternatives or just measuring the overall impact of campaigns. Do you do anything when it comes to like media mix models to like figure out the overall impact of what an individual campaign is driving or how to determine budget, for example? Yeah. I wouldn't say we're super advanced with our sort of media mixed approach, but we do try to be analytical about what we're able to get out of the individual campaigns and the geos we're able to target within those within the platform or the networks themselves. And when we're looking at that, as we've shifted strategies, we've redone how we're looking at it and where we're putting a majority of our money. I think it's a really interesting question that has been worked on in a number of ways, but still has a lot of challenges within it. Like, are you shooting yourself in the foot by only looking at what your performance is now, not what your performance could be based on a more strategic thinking of it outside of just looking at the numbers that are currently coming in? And I think, yeah, people are definitely going to get better and better at it, and there's going to be more and more offerings there. So it's definitely something I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, we're definitely seeing, especially in the wake of iOS 14, a greater proliferation of like third party media mix partners that can help like measure that too. We've been seeing that lately as well. All right. So I am going to ask about it just because this is some would consider, as I said, a game that involves some elements of the metaverse. How in particular do you see this game fitting into this whole metaverse trend? And then I'm also curious if you share the same vision as Zuckerberg does, in which we're all going to be living in this metaverse, like Eric Cartman was in that South Park episode, just like sitting on our chairs in our office with a VR headset on? Or do you think it's going to be more of a hybrid? I would say it seems like Rec Room has been embracing this like hybrid model of you can play this game anywhere, it doesn't need to be VR. So just curious what your thoughts are generally on like the metaverse. It's such a big topic. I feel like at this point, Many different people have like their theories of the metaverse and until one is actually proven, like it's just a theory. There's so much that can go into it. I mean, I feel like we've been living in various forms of a metaverse for 
quite some time now. I remember back in like grade school and being told that we couldn't go on the computer labs and join any like multi-user Dungeons and Dragons games. And that is its own mini little metaverse thing that's going on. It's just how big the scale is going to be. I think the reason that we hear so much talk about it now is because there's so much interest from the monetary perspective of these giant companies who are seeing this opportunity to swallow a huge market share of this new and emerging thing. But when you're already the big giant company trying to swallow that, you don't have the same level of people being willing to give you the benefit of the doubt in what you're creating. I think there's a lot to be said for being genuine with your users and really engaging with them, not towards the purpose of eating as much money as you can from them and just driving as much value in the top line dollar sense out of them. Because I just don't think you're ever going to get there. Like the goal behind these big metaverse plays is to all of a sudden have a 50, 70% market share. And you're not going to get that if you're not engaging with people genuinely and understanding what their actual needs are to the point where they do want to spend as much time as Eric Cartman in whatever system that is. But I also do think that as the technology improves, it's not just going to be popping on a VR headset. Like we have so many computers on us at all times. And there's so many different ways that we can interact with this connected world and all of those are going to eventually have some role in what this theory of the metaverse ends up looking like, whoever is able to crack the code. But yeah, I think it's going to be a while. We've been on this road for a long time, and I don't think within the next 10 years it's going to be the end of it. It's going to be a continual sort of thing. But I'm really excited to see where it goes. Like All the new technology that's coming out super interesting what you're going to be able to get out of that and the like ar experiences or more like mixed reality sort of things like there's so much cool stuff going out it's all going to play a part to sum it up i mean it sounds like you can have all the bells and whistles but in the end it's going to be about user experience and what people want and it's hard to preemptively determine that <laughs> you have to have the users actually enjoy and play it before you say this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, exactly. Humans have some basic drives that you need to get behind and you can't fake it. If you want to be the place where everyone like gets together socially, like you have to make it a place where that's great for them and where they're getting more out of it than the current options that they have available to them. So you just can't fake that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Rec Room has the right frame of mind when it comes to that. And I think we can end it on that. Cool. <laughs> it was really great talking to you, Aaron, and have a good Friday. Yeah, no, I appreciate talking with you, Brian. This was a, a fun time. Okay. Bye. Take care. Thanks for taking a break with us and listening to our weekly episode of Activate by Remerge. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. The more people you tell, the further we can spread these awesome mobile marketing insights. See you next week.